1: Feel like Kobe in the fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire podcast coming in Monday morning, October 31st. Wolves beat writer from the Star Tribune, Chris Hine, joins me here every Monday. We'll be doing that all season. We've got Chris here today to talk about sort of what went down in Wolves world this weekend. They did beat the Lakers on Friday night, which I need to remind myself of, uh, not, and not just exclusively think of that Sunday night performance against the Spurs. Uh, Chris, I I don't know, let's just start with, I kind of felt like this weekend was a pretty good encapsulation of where this Wolves team is at right now. You know, more than enough talent to kind of just not win their game, half their games on accident, but to to be able to kind of come back and, and stay in every sort of game, but not enough chemistry sort of to be able to really sustain momentum throughout four quarters or even throughout sort of um, the course of a week. I think obviously that was highlighted last night by losing to a shorthanded Spurs team. Are you kind of with that idea where they got a lot, the Wolves have a lot, but maybe not a lot of continuity in their flow, if you will? Yeah,
2: yeah, that's that's exactly where I'm at with this. And I think both If you kind of sum up both of these games that we saw that's kind of it you know they had just enough to to get by the lakers uh you know rudy gobert makes a couple plays down the stretch carl hits carl hits some shots in the fourth quarter of that game uh and then against san antonio um nobody really had it especially from outside but i don't think that that was an accident that they were so cold from outside you know their offense just had no like you said there was no consistent rhythm to it um, and that's when they usually shoot well from three-point range. You know, when, when you're isolating threes, or when passes are being caught around guys' knees, and they have to—you know—the release is different on three-point shots. Like, it, it's a different way of shooting three-pointers than two, three crisp passes around the perimeter and a guy standing wide open in rhythm, like they always take them in practice. Right. Uh, those kind of threes, I—you didn't see a lot of that last night when they were when they were shooting the outside so you, know, you can look at the box score and say yeah they shot uh, what was it uh like four, four for twenty nine from yeah. three point three point range last night um but I don't think it was an act I don't think it was just a bad shooting night I think it was a product of bad offense ultimately
1: I did too and uh and Chris Finch did as well Here, here's Finch on the first unit sort of momentum or lack thereof that they've had recently
2: are you concerned right now at this point, Chris, with just the, the the inability to get the offensive flow going with that first unit, or how do you just feel about that overall?
3: Uh, I think that the first unit has a, the ability to establish a flow. What they haven't uh, is the ability to maintain the flow. You know, I think they're not recognizing, like, what the game needs. This game we talked about cutting a lot more, um, being a lot more active off the ball, uh, you know. So, yeah, I just – we got to learn what and do what the game requires, rather than what we're, we want to do individually, uh, and how we want to try to play our game or get ourselves going. So.
1: so, Chris, like in a lot of ways, that that is like condemning, but it also does make so much sense in many ways too, right? Where this is a new group, you do have four high usage players all playing together. They're they're navigating this this all out together. Yet here we are, two weeks you know, into the season and you are playing a pretty threadbare Spurs team. And it just, a, a Spurs team that is also very young. And and for that group to just have, that Spurs group to just kind of have so much more chemistry than this group, I think on paper makes some sense, given you just have bigger personalities and everything with this this Wolves team. But I think it's just probably frustrating for fans where they're able to sort of see something and you see things clicking, even the second matchup against the Spurs, they did have, it's the same team, and they have this offensive flow, and it's going the whole time, but it's just yeah. on-switch, off-switch, on-switch, off-switch, and they are just, the Wolves have just really struggled PA to be able to, I don't know, have they played, like, three straight good quarters back-to-back-to-back to back to back at any point thus far this season? I don't think so, but they were also four and so three. Either, yeah. So it's like, that's what I'm saying, is I'm not trying to, like, totally overreact to this because despite some of these shortcomings or like hiccups they are still being effective enough kind of just on the pure nature of their I guess talent and skill I don't know It's it's been a little bit frustrating up and down but we can't not acknowledge the ups in there as well too
2: yeah you're right and you're right they haven't strung it together consistently the schedule, the Spurs, you know, Utah Thunder, like they played tougher than a quote unquote soft schedule for sure. this this early on in the season. Like if you look at some of the other teams that these teams have beaten, it's you know the Wolves aren't alone in losing to these teams. Sure. Um, so there's a, a weird mix of, of things going on, like you look at last night, it's like you're you're encouraged uh, if you're a fan by what Carl did in the first quarter. You're encouraged by what ant did in the second half. You're encouraged by the bench unit. Um, but it's just like those those in between the so like the second quarter, the third quarter, just awful, awful. Um, you know, rebounding continues to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Still near the bottom in defensive rebounding percentage. And and how many times last night did that? come back right. to bite them again it, it, as they're making that run they get it they get a miss they get a, a, a what looks like a stop and then bang offensive rebound kick out for a three you know the run ended yeah. so it's it, it is it is frustrating I, I had one one scout say the other day uh it's gonna say half the season essentially before you can properly evaluate where this where this is going and I, I know that's probably not something that fans want to hear right you know especially after seven games and after the the frustrations of, of it but if you compare it to kind of what happened last year four or nine last year didn't really get going until january yep um you know nearly halfway through the season and then they took off from there are we are we maybe following a similar path here do you think of of yeah it's going to take 20 games it's going to take 25, 30 games for this to, to see if it actually does click in and how much patience do you have maybe, maybe before you are willing to make some judgments on the overall fit.
1: Right. I So I thought, I thought it was interesting last night. And I'll, I'll play this clip too. Carl was asked specifically about that four and nine start to the season. And I, I'm not, Sure, exactly. I think we could take this quote from him a, a, a couple different ways, but it also reminded me of something from the beginning of the season. So I'm going to play this 30-second like, cl- clip here, but then I'm, I'm curious as to what you think about the end of this clip. Last season, you guys started 4-9, and obviously
2: a lot different than, than this season. Did, do you feel any similarities in just the slowly out of the gates or, or what needs to happen to kind of get things under control and get more of a consistency out there? Um,
3: yeah, I, I think I have an idea, what I think, but, uh, like I said, we'll, we'll get to practice tomorrow and Phoenix tonight gets
2: to practice tomorrow and, uh, get back to the drawing board. You know, uh, I think that, uh, we just got to,
1: uh, have those conversations. So Chris, remember last year that, that was the whole thing, right at, at four or nine was. Pat Bev held like a players only meeting, right? Am I correct right. in remembering What's that? your
2: role? Yeah, yeah. Like, what's your role? And he goes around the room and says to everybody, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Did that sound like what Carl was talking about right there? I think so. Yeah. Maybe. Um, it also
2: sounded to me a little like when you say you got to have those conversations, it sounded like there was maybe more of a, it's more of an effort kind of thing. Sure. Than than scheme or, or, or role even. Um, that's kind of what I interpreted that to be. Is like we, we, it's like we need to come out. We need to talk to each other about coming out and having a better effort, better energy. And that's something we've talked about too. Is you know this team doesn't have a, a Bando and a Pat Bev to mm-hmm. light the fire on a night in, night out basis and get these guys going. Um, and last night they certainly looked like they could have used somebody like that, or you know just somebody to get them together and say, listen, we are we are not losing to this Spurs team tonight, right? Like, not happening um so maybe maybe there's a little bit of that in there too
1: yeah i i think obviously that's like kind of the hot button topic right around the around the wolves after these first two weeks is you're missing that the pat bev the vando the the energy and i'm not completely dismissive about that but my bigger question is like you know where specifically is that showing up because you don't just need somebody to go out there and just like yell and just be like right. en- just energy you need energy in specific places on the floor and where i where i'm noticing that they're missing pepev and vando most specifically is defensively on being able to guard the perimeter like they are not able to control the point of attack so much so that this team has already reverted to playing tons of zone and tons of switching because and we've asked Finch over and over why that is and he says because there's just not the physicality defensively in being able to you know kind of stop the ball on the perimeter obviously we know that was a big part of Pat Bev's skill set and also I have said this before but I think that was the most underrated part of Vanderbilt's game was you know he was functionally like a power forward center but he kind of like Jaden right like he could guard those big type of wings, whether it was the primary matchup or it was switched off there, I mean, when the Wolves are not in zone or, like, directly switching right away, which those things lead to their own problems as well, some of those rebounding things we've talked about, um, you know, it's it's just, it's not there in terms of perimeter defense. So I'm just, I'm curious where that's going to come from and uh, from this group. Like, it just has to come. More from the guards because you don't you don't have that from Pat Bev and from Bando this year. Obviously, literally, you don't have that. That that seems to me to be the most literal sense in the most literal sense where they're missing Pat Bev and Bando. Are you with that?
2: Yeah, yeah, I am. And and I look at the box for my night. I see Doug McDermott getting 14 three-point attempts and yes. hitting seven of them as the perfect example of that because <laughs> he does not get 14 three-point attempts if you are guarding the perimeter mm-hmm. well enough to, to create open shots for him. Um, that's where that comes from. Um, yeah, I agree. And it's on, as you said, it's on the guards, I think, at the end of the day. Um, I think it's on D'Lo and it's on Ant. To, to have to bring that on a night in, night out basis, it is what it is. We, you you kind of know what you're getting with with D'Lo on the defensive end of the floor. Like he's not going to suddenly transform into a, a, a super great defender and mm-hmm. super energized and enthused at the point of attack. He's never been really that way. Um, so, is it on Ant to 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 bring that? Is, is
1: does he have to be that guy this year? Um, I don't know. Um, I, I think for if, both if of them Chris, not it's who been is. tough yeah. they've both been really tough defensively i mean yeah in in different sort of ways like ant has more of that that natural physicality and D'Lo has more of that like spatial awareness defensively right? right um those are their redeeming qualities as defenders but the other side of the coin for both of them i think has been really dismal thus far uh in in ant i mean it's just it's kind of hard to notice maybe immediately watching the game, or it is, it is for me, but when I do go back and watch, there are just a ton of times where Ant is out of position or the effort isn't there, you know, defensively. And it's really, that is standing in the way of him being able to to make any sort of defensive leap that people were, were hoping for. And there was the idea with D'Lo that, you know, just use your length, try and play physical out of the point of attack. No one's expecting anything, you know, magnificent from him defensively, but kind of like a certain level of yeah, just compete level uh on on the perimeter. And for both of them, that's just really coming up short, which just then it kind of all falls on Jade McDaniels. And it's not Jade McDaniels every single time, being the guy who can who can guard on the perimeter. So yeah, they're 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 coming up short there. And I just wonder if that is going to mean more Austin Rivers. Like what what other sort of what do they even have to kind of throw like what what move can they make outside of going like they just those guys kind of got to do it right I, I don't know what the alternative
2: is they're the starters they're the yeah. they're the ones that are on there for 30 35 minutes a night at the end of the day mm-hmm. you know that's that's who has to do it and has spoken many times about how terrible he is at off the ball defense yeah um he, he's aware of the of the issue um it doesn't seem to be getting better it just it just it seems like he has go back to you know grade school high school basketball what are you what are you always told as a as a ball as you a defender man. when, when you ball you man right <laughs> one eye on the ball one eye on the man it seems like it has issues keeping his eye on both both of those at the same time um it's it, see, it seems very fundamental in a way, mm-hmm. um, but I, I noticed that a lot where it's just like he's got his head turned and all of a sudden his guy shifts on him and he's out of position and all of a sudden the defense is out of whack. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, it happens very quickly, but this is the NBA; everything happens quickly. Right. Um, so it, you know, it, it's as we say too: like defense is not something you can necessarily drill in the off season. It just comes with mm-hmm. it comes with reps. In game and watching film and correcting things in real time, and and it's his third year now. Um, he's, he's talked about it for two plus years about that. Um, you know, how does it get better? I don't. I
1: don't know. Carl, I asked Carl about this last night after the game. I'll play the clip too, but it isn't. I need to remind myself of this too. It isn't just the perimeter defense is not just exclusively about guarding the ball you know, as you mentioned with McDermott there too, you need to have sort of this awareness of being able to recover once the ball is, you know, is swung and be able to contest those shots at a high level. This team isn't doing that definitively, but as Carl explains, there's, there's kind of a somewhat of a rationale for why they're doing that, why they're doing that. So I'll play that this clip. And I'm curious what your take is on this about the defensive side of the floor. Does it feel like you guys are shading in defensively too much and, and leaving a little bit of the perimeter too open?
3: Uh, I don't know. I, that's the same thing. I, I got to watch the tape for today, but I know that a lot of times today, you know, our, I think one of our biggest problems that today we had was that their offensive rebounding was really hurting us, and uh, they were getting really um, especially in the crunch, they were getting um, big offensive rebounds. I remember Dia I've got one um, while we were on a good run with Nas, with Nas reading that group in there who cut the lead down, and uh, second chance points from them killed us too. So um, could be that. I think you know we could be saying that, but at the same time, they're missing, and we're not getting we're not getting the rebounds when they do miss those times when we're you know come, you know collapsing a little bit more in the paint and having hard contests and closeouts to the shooters.
1: Today's show is sponsored by Falling Knife Brewing Company in Northeast Minneapolis. And I want to remind you that I will be doing a live show at Falling Knife this Thursday, November 3rd, with Jace Frederick from the Pioneer Press. We'll be there at 6 p.m. to set up and have a few beers before the show if you'd like to come out early. The recording of the episode will then start at 7 p.m. Falling Knife will also have Mario's and St. Paul serving hero sandwiches at the event. So if you want to have dinner uh, while we're there, Mario's will have food available for purchase. And just for the event, well, the Wolves will be eight games in, I guess, to to the season at that point. So Jason and I will just kind of talk state of the Wolves 10% of the way through the season. And we'll also have a third microphone set up to take questions from those of you who are there. We'd love to see you on Thursday at 6 p.m. at Falling Knife. And remember that even if you can't make a live recording, Falling Knife is committed to always showing Wolves games with the sound on in their tap room this season on Wolves game nights. That's Falling Knife Brewing Company, Northeast Minneapolis. We'll see you Thursday night, November 3rd at 6 p.m. This episode is brought to you by Land and Lore, the premier men's skincare brand that everyone is talking about. Finally, men are starting to realize that how you look determines how you feel and how you feel determines your mindset for success. If you've never tried a skincare product made for men, you have no idea how amazing you can look and feel. So if you've been one of the guys using a bar of soap, it's time to upgrade. Land and Lore is made with all-natural botanicals, nutrients, and essential oils. It's safe, easy to use, feels, and smells amazing. Land and Lore guarantees if your face doesn't both feel better and look better in 14 days, they'll give you a refund, no questions asked. The company is founded by Mark Haysbrook, who started and then sold Hayneedle.com to Mark Lorie. So a bit of a Timberwolves connection here as well, but the primary reason to try Land and Lore is because everyone loves it, there's no risk, and you get a 15% discount by using Dane MBA at checkout. I've personally started using both the shower kit and the face kit, and I love it. I've never really used skincare stuff before, but now that I've used Land and Lore, I'll never not use skincare, I just feel better. So check out landandlore.com today before they sell out. Again, that's Dane NBA, no spaces for 15% off at Land and lore.com that's l a n d dash e.com so Chris, i mean that that makes some sense too we're, we're definitely seeing both of those things as you said before they have been one of the worst defensive rebounding teams in the league so they're sort of fighting this urge right of to being able to close out and contest shots on the perimeter while also being like all right once i contest this shot i also have some rebounding responsibilities here too carl specifically probably there. I mean they are just really kind of missing finding that middle ground I think of of being able to it can't be all one or the other it can't be only contesting the shots and then giving up offensive rebounds but I thought last night was too much of the opposite where it was almost too focused on defensive rebounding's defensive rebounding with being a little too ignorant of you know of the of the three point line like how far away do you think they are from being able to fi- figure out that part specifically well, with rebounding, I I just have doubts that this team is
2: ever going to be a good rebounding team, Man, just based that, on the evidence so that far. It, right? it should be, be the way, case. It right? should be that way. You have Rudy Gobert down there, and like, Rudy like, is it rebounding
1: be that way. Rudy, right. Rudy's like I don't know. I mean, it's but he's got to be averaging like six fifteen a night or something like that. Like,
2: yeah, he had what did he have last night? He had twelve last night.
1: Maybe it was sixteen um, against the low, Lakers. low,
2: low for him. Yeah, he, he t- in the twenties against the Lakers. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, um, I just, I just don't know that these, that, that this team has it in them to be a, a good rebounding team. I, you know, it's one of my biggest pet peeves with with this group is is they they just they talk about rebounding. They talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. They don't do it. it. It just never, it never gets better. Um, you know, I, I, I haven't seen it um you know in if, if you just want to talk about this group in in a year plus right i haven't seen it and i don't know if they're going to ever find that mix um i i i don't think that they're close to it to, to be honest with you
1: yeah um, i, I it, think they're definitely not close to it but if they are not able to ever do that that is a massive indictment of the entire roster construction i mean we we talked about this all the time last season when this team had very similar defensive rebounding issues. And then you go out and get the best rebounder in the league. Like, so it was almost, it was almost more readily accepted to, to be a bad defensive rebounding team. I mean, the way I always put it last year was like, I don't think this team was that that team was built in a real professional sort of manner. It was kind of a hack of, and it worked in a lot of ways, but just being small and fast and pesky, like you, they did great things with that, but they never rebounded well. So it doesn't make sense to me why they still have that same ethos given that they've added Rudy Gobert to the mix who as an individual has not had defensive rebounding issues himself. And it sounds weird to be just like hammering on something kind of as small as like just ending possessions with a defensive rebound. But like you said, this is, it was over it was over a year of it last year and now we're seven games into this season and that remains uh, an issue right now it's it's kind of it's it's just so much it's so flummoxing as to like there isn't a there isn't really like a schematic shift that you can really significantly do to be able to adjust for that so I think it does go back to this sort of idea of where they were at a year ago when they're four and nine and they really had to look each other in the, the face and have, that you know, uh-huh. cliche sort of players only meeting, and it and then and then it changed. But I, I don't know how much time they have to. to you don't want to start four and nine again this season, particularly right. given right. the the start of the the easier nature of this schedule and and just the higher expectations of this group.
2: Yep, and, and you know I'm looking again, looking at totals and things like that. Um, if if you just had to guess. How many rebounds do you, without looking at the box score, how many rebounds do you think Ant had uh, last night?
1: Mm, I would guess like four. Two. Two? Yeah. Yeah. I mean. That's that's not enough. That's not enough, particularly Um, when they're in zone, right? Like that's. Yeah. That's kind of like, well, that, I mean, that is the, like, the top two guys in the 2 3 zone, right? Like, that, those are the yep. ones who need to, to come down and rebound for that. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think Ant is very lost in his own concept right now. Um, yeah. And it's tough because as a team, they're struggling in any sort of man defensive concept. But yeah, I think you're right. Like, I think they just kind of got to pick something up. When I was talking to Britt a week ago, I was like, it just feels a lot to me like a group that probably needs a lot of things to just be oversimplified and just start somewhere. Whether that means like choosing a way to play offensively, choosing a play way to play defensively. Like obviously, this team does need to be able to eventually diversify how it creates shots. Needs to have diverse coverages right. to, to get there. But it kind of screams to me a group that needs just a couple basic structures and then and then as we talk about building over the like first half of the year as you get the rhythm, like slowly adding these sort of things. I think Ant is a really good example of not being able to consistently contribute because he's kind of getting lost in that gray area of switching between coverages, switching between the the nature of how they're they're running their offense, leading to a lot of that more like quote unquote hero ball as ant one of your best players if this theory is correct that they are you know lacking structure and ant is one of the main pieces to be lacking that structure he is one of their most important pieces so it feels like that needs to be you know accommodated for in some sort of fashion
2: yeah i'm i'm with you it's like establish a couple things that you do well before you add on to it um you know at at the same time I, i think at least when i think about this from a defensive aspect you know we've heard them talk about kind of how old habits or, or things like you know how to defend screens and shows up when they try to switch coverages right yeah like how, how you're supposed to defend a screen when they're in draft versus high wall or you know and things like that or even zone like
1: or, even zone right whatever it is you're, you're doing it's like they're, they're None of the shifts from one thing to the other are working. Right. There, 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 there isn't right. even that one thing where you're like, this is what's working best. Right. So, so I, I'm thinking I'm thinking
2: ahead here. So let's say mm-hmm. they, they say, okay, we're only going to play drop from now on, no matter whether Carl's in the game or Rudy's in the game, we're just going to be a drop team, <laughs> right? And that's all we're going to do. Um, let's say they, they start doing that well. Then you reintroduce the the high wall and switching uh or, or switching concepts you know let's say halfway through the year are you still able to are, are, are we still just going to be back where we are if right. they if they do that you know what i'm saying yeah like, yeah so kind of your if, if idea you, if is just if you just if you just punt, you just punt this process yeah. a few months down the road are you just you know going to be right back at square one when you try to incorporate them again
1: no that's a good um, point i don't know no so then it would be the idea of just like incremental improvements in everything you're doing, like slower.
0: Like yeah. right. Like you're exactly. slowly getting
1: better at zone. You're slowly getting better when Rudy's on the floor. You're slowly getting better when Kat's on the floor in concept. Like mm-hmm. yeah, maybe you're right. And and that is what Finch is doing. So that that must be what the the coaching staff feels because I don't think anything has suggested we're just gonna oversimplify things. If anything, they kind of erratically sort of start adjusting to what a given game gives them. And, and I, I like the idea of that too. It's like, okay, we don't have zone today. We're going to, maybe we're going to play more aggressively. Like that's what this game and this opponent dictates. I think Finch and, and, you know, and Micah are are generally like good at having a feel for that. It just in the aggregate, right? Right now it is not, it is not leading to uh, any sort of consistent success. It's, I don't know. I think in another week here we'll we'll know a, a week or two and we'll be a month into the year if we don't start seeing some of that incremental growth and in all of the different concepts yeah. then I think you're just at the point where almost out of desperation you have to co- sort of scale back and and go back to basics which again is kind of what that team did last year when they when they got to January right like Finch was like we kind of mm-hmm we kind of did a bunch of things and then we peeled back oh, over the course of time. And that might've been more offensively, but um, I don't know. <laughs> They've just got to kind of find a better rhythm to being able to you know, find that flow. And I think flow is not just an offensive thing. It's a, it's a defensive thing as well.
2: Yeah. Well, it's, they have two, two games that are really going to test where they're at yeah. uh, this this week here. Uh, we're finally going to get, I think, I think a, a I mean, last night was a good indication of where they're at, too. I think, mm-hmm. but Phoenix and Milwaukee will will be a dose of, dose of truth serum for this team uh, this week, so to, to really see where they're at. Th-
1: this is very glass half full, but might this be a team? This Wolves team be a team that plays up to their competition? I was just going to say that. Yeah, down? I
2: was. I was. I th- I think that could be very much a thing. Yeah.
1: I I, I, I hate teams that are like that, but I think this, te- I, like, I kinda it think this team like I kind of think feels like it that, doesn't right? it? But it- like like you could see you could
2: see just like everybody just getting a little more excited cuz they're playing Milwaukee at home on a Friday mm-hmm. night. For sure. You know, like a little like a little more a little more juice in the building, right? I, I could totally see that with this roster. It would not surprise me at all if they came out Friday night and mm-hmm. beat Milwaukee. At home, no, yeah, you know, like, uh, like I, I would well, not. Ant's be the best example like of that.
1: this, right? Like, I mean, yeah, yeah. A- everybody knows from watching it. Like, there are different degrees of ant, right? And they normally tie to who they're playing against when they're like, what when, when Ant came out last night in the first half was like oh of eight, like Finch kind of pulled them early. Yep. I mean, it, in my head, I'm kind of like, yeah, we probably should have expected this. Like, it's a Sunday night. Um, you're playing a a Spurs team that doesn't really have a lot of star, like I'm just kind of getting to the point where when, when the lights aren't really on and the competition isn't really at a high level, I've come to expect Ant to not be there right away, you know? And and, and to his credit, you know, he kind of like recognized that for the second half and, and turned it around. But as you start relying more on Ant over time, as he gets better and better, like, that's going to hurt this team more when, when he starts games this sort of way. Like, like we, we talked about a little bit with Carl, like Carl was rolling through that first quarter, right? Like they single covered yep. Carl. um, And, and to Carl's credit, like he took that and, and ran with it 15 points in the first quarter, you know, Ant subs back in to start the second quarter. Like I would have liked to see that, like, all right, cats out. He carried us through the first quarter. Like me and Rudy me whatever, like me and Delo. Now it's on me to to sort of get this going. And and in that passing of the baton, it feels like there's a ton of fumbling happening for this team. Not yeah. not just tied to ant, but but to you know to a lot of these guys. And and you know, and I'm acknowledging like a lot of this stuff takes time. But if we're talking about why they're losing these games, why they've lost to the the San Antonio Spurs twice in in three tries, I think it's that. It's it's these gaps between successes that are just that are just too few and far between
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: To, to loop to the other side of the floor, and I, I mentioned this to you before we started recording, but this idea from Finch that he want that he feels like this team is running is relying far too much on pick and roll is just interesting to me on a couple of levels. One, the basic yeah. level of like that's what Rudy has historically been best at. The Jazz were a spread pick and roll team. Finch has talked about it, that's almost exclusively what he ran, and we want to use Rudy. In different sort of ways. Obviously, pick and roll is going to be in the mix, but we don't want to be overly reliant on it. Guess guess where the where the wolves are in pick and roll frequency this season?
2: Um, based on the setup to that question <laughs> and using my game theory brain, I'm gonna say 15th. I'll split it down the middle.
1: 25th, 25th, 25th. in volume and 25th in effectiveness in pick and roll. So my theory is that Finch is more caught up on the lack of effectiveness of the pick and roll rather than the volume, and that's why he's wanting to do less of it. He's saying to us, we want to do less pick and roll, but Mm -hmm. they're just not running that much, man. It's this season thus far through seven games, 25.6% of their possessions have been pick-and-rolls that have led to a shot or a pass that then leads to a shot. Last season, without Rudy Gobert, 27% of their possessions were pick-and-rolls, including passes. That doesn't make sense to me. I I, I I don't... Outside of the idea that they just have not been very effective in it. they were They were more effective in pick-and-roll last season on a per-possession basis. But I think it would be a mistake to skew further away from that and again with this idea of just like maybe oversimplifying a little bit at the beginning so as to stack skills on over the, the course of the season i think that would be a pretty basic structure to lean into a little bit more and i just i'm just not sure it's really in finch's nature to to want to to play a lot of pick and roll he he doesn't he's really bothered when a pick and roll is stagnant that seems to bother Correct. him and that and that, hap- that
2: happens a lot it happens that happens a lot I was just going to make that point mm-hmm. is I think that's the issue is I, I'm I'm envisioning every time I see a, a Rudy pick and roll mm-hmm. at the top of the at the top of the key uh you know our d Rudy pick and roll and Delo comes around the screen Delo who you know again isn't usually the player who is the one moving the ball and being faster pace like right. a J-Mac is. But you envision that pick and roll. D-Lo's coming around it. He's kind of probing. He's kind of waiting to see how the defense is going to react. Rudy's rolling, you know, and he's kind of looking at d and looking right. at the defense, look, looking for the lob maybe. But it all takes time. It's not happening quickly, right? right. Like that, that whole sequence ha- almost feels like it's happening in slow motion at times. Right. Where you're waiting for the defense to react before Delo makes the next move, and that, that happens like it's not just Delo either, that happens when, when it doesn't happen, But right. pretty much anybody comes comes around with that pick and roll. Um, so it, it, I think that is, I think you're right, I think that is the, the effectiveness isn't there, um, the ball movement off of that isn't there because it's naturally a play where somebody's just kind of got the ball in their hands dribbling for right. two, three four seconds or whatever it is. And you know, they have the, the point three mentality on this team of you should know
1: mm-hmm. almost right away when you have the ball, what you're doing with it. Well, when that's, when it's, rolls, that's you, when it's been good. That's when it's been good. Like the, the yep. second, the second Spurs game on Wednesday, when they beat them, mm-hmm. it was like pick and roll one dribble ball handler, instant swing. And what that led to yep. was an awesome Jade McDaniels game. He, he got so much yep. off of that in open threes, um and, and cuts to the basket off of it like it needs to, the pick and roll. I think they do need to keep a part of the offense, but they need to be more deliberate about like hitting it and getting off getting off of it right away, you know, and just yep. getting into yep. that movement. And maybe the pick and roll just starts the possession. It starts getting the defense in rotation and then you attack different things off of that. Maybe now, like through that, Carl has a switch. And now he's in the post. He has Trey Jones on him rather than Yaka Pertle or something, you know, and the quicker yep. they get into it. Like, I don't think the answer is less pick and roll. The answer is less slow pick and roll. And I think that's what Finch right. is getting at because objectively, this is not a heavy pick and roll team right now, even though they have, you know, they have Rudy Gobert in the mix. It's, mm-hmm. it's been, honestly, I think it's been one of the, my biggest surprises of the season is just like, Wow. Uh, The Wolves have Rudy Gobert and they're not very good at pick and roll, nor do they seem all that interested in in running it. It's just kind of odd.
2: Well, you know, I haven't really broken this down or or looked at film, but in terms of how they're using Rudy as a screener, um, how much are they using him off the ball? As a screener instead of on the ball
1: I noticed just I mean And so much of this stuff is all like blurring Together different games but I remember Yesterday um, They were using Rudy more Setting like down screens For Carl off ball where they're kind of Like lifting Mm. him up And then that's when Carl was kind of getting Into those like either he's catching it above the Perimeter you know in theory That's a maybe a three point look if the If Rudy's kind of like sealed off the guy and Carl Can just pin down shoot that but a lot of times, too, it's like, again, maybe they've switched that. And then Carl, now when he's caught it, he's got Rudy's guy on him or, or whatever it might be. And t- in my mind, there was more Rudy off-ball screening last night than there have been in the other six games. But in general, I think Finch is kind of giving Rudy space to find screens himself, right? like yeah, yeah. reading just like reading the flow as he would say of of where and when to set them and again it's just where I go back to I wonder if there needs to be a little bit more predetermined structure there of like nope we're just going to start Rudy in the dunker spot he's going to come up set a high screen for D'Lo and Ant or Ant and and they're just going to mm-hmm. you know run off of that and, and then, again, again, it is important to to develop that, like, randomness, and you want that over the course of the game. I just think they're struggling at the beginning of possessions when they don't have that to get into any sort of real ball movement. And, the you know, right, the kind of example of this on, on the other end is, like, of when Rudy's not out there is just how much better it's working when Nas is in at center. And yeah. and we saw. that I mean, I think we talked about this last week when you were on of another like Nas Reed sort of boomlet, and and it happened again last night. I'll play. Uh, I'll play Finch on on going with that Nas unit, and and why he opted to kind of go away from it to close the game.
2: Chris, what what kind of a decision is that in terms of like back to Rudy and Cat? Obviously, I mean they're the the bread and butter of what you're going. But then you also do have a a, a unit there that is clicking, how do you try to make that decision for yeah, the short also, term and the long term?
3: Yeah, I, I also thought that that unit had expended a lot of energy at that point in time. We were going to probably make some subs there. Um, you know, maybe could have done one at a time, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's like if I had to do it over again, I'm, it maybe we'll staggered those guys in a little bit,
1: but yeah. I and mean, that again, just kind of sounds like some frustration from Finch of like, yeah, that is working with Nas out there, mm-hmm. but that can't be the one thing that's, you know, that's working for this team, right? Like it, he he's like, yeah, Correct. that's great that Nas is doing this, but like we're not going to live and die with this Nas and no other bigs lineup. It doesn't make sense for our roster construction. I think that's where Finch is kind of at.
2: How much do you think of the pick and roll issues are trying to make sure Rudy is involved in the offense and getting his, his mm. shot attempts because how much, how much of a pick and roll do you think is, Oh, I'm looking for a lob for Rudy and I'm waiting for the right moment to get Rudy the ball. Um, and just trying to make sure that Rudy has his complement of shot attempts tonight. At because I feel, like yeah. up, you, I feel like if you're going to open up, I feel like if you're going to open up the offense, the person who's going to probably suffer if you just have a more free-flowing offense like that
1: might be Rudy. I agree with that.
2: Um, you know, uh, so I, I wonder how much of, of this is also just trying to make sure that Rudy is involved as a, as a primary offensive weapon and not a secondary offensive weapon the way Jaden is.
1: Yeah, it does feel like there's certainly a more concerted effort to try and find Rudy when he is the screener and find him on the rolls, lobs, whatever. And again, somewhat understandably, the chemistry isn't really there. Um, you know, D he's kind of the only guy on the team who's ever played with a player like that. But that was like four years ago uh, in Brooklyn with Jared Allen. Um, yep. So that that even that chemistry doesn't feel perfect. And I mean, he has hit Rudy in those situations. I don't know, maybe two or three times all season. There just isn't really that that sort of chemistry there. I think for Ant, that's probably a product of never having really played with a player like Rudy. Yet, you know, that's got to sort of come around. And I think an, an example of why Ant isn't comfortable with that yet is how comfortable he is with Nas. And it just, like, yeah. feels less intentional to get Nas the ball. But then the ball seems to come back to Nas. And I don't know, what did he have, like, in those nine minutes that he... That he played at the end of the third quarter into 11 the points. Yeah, he had eleven points, yeah. and the Wolves cut the deficit from nineteen down to four at one point during that. You know, during that stretch, and I think it's just it's more natural for Ant to be playing with a Nas Reed type of center rather than a Karl Anthony Towns or Rudy Gobert center at this time. I mean I pulled up the numbers thus far when Ant and Nas have been on the floor together, while Cat and Gobert have sat. The Wolves have a plus 71.1 net rating, um, which is insanely, insanely high. I mean, it's only been 45 possessions, but that has Great. really worked. While when Ant has been on the floor with both Cat and Gobert and Nas has been out, it's plus 3.9, 300 possessions. So obviously he's getting a lot more time with Cat with and Rudy, but it's been significantly less effective as an offense overall. and it. <laughs> I mean, it's great that that Nas group is working, but again, kind of with Finch, it's like there isn't really any more room, it seems in his mind, to let that happen because it would just come at the cost of needing to play Rudy or Kat under 30 minutes in a game, and barring foul trouble, I just don't think they're going to do that.
2: No, no, they're not. And, you know, we've we've seen it because it's like last week it happened and, you know, Nas registered a, a DMP against what's it, the Lakers. Yep. Yep. He, yeah, he didn't play against the Lakers. Um, you know, like you said, it comes at that, at that cost. That is, and, and, you know, you, you just saw it last night. It's like, all right, that, that group plays well. Here comes Carl and Rudy, check mm-hmm. them back in. And then immediately it was a, a drop off. Huge. It was a huge drop off. Um, and I, I, I what is what is it about Nas that, that makes him such a good fit with with Ant? Is is it just his mobility? Is it is it his shooting ability to stretch the floor? Like, what, what is it about Nas that enables him to just run this offense so well, where others are faltering at the moment?
1: Well, I mean, part of it has just got to be playing more of a spread floor attack, right? Like it, yeah. even even if Nas is like kind of coming up and setting the screen, it's it's oftentimes he's kind of like flaring, popping off of that, you know, so it remains five out or what Nas does is when he rolls, they're almost kind of like those semi-slip type things where he rolls and right. he's quick and he's in and out of it. And even if he doesn't get the ball, it's like, okay, here's my quick roll. And I'm, then I'm sprinting back out. I'm to on, I'm onto the next thing. It's, but it's fast. It's what so we were talking about before. It's yes. fast. Right. And it leaves yeah. the lane more open for Ant and like what, It doesn't mean that that shouldn't, there isn't the Rudy pair with Ant should work too, because it should bring a different type of magnetization where Ant should also have fairly open, you know, drives to the rim, even when Rudy's rolling, because the defense is going to respect Rudy on the roll. I just think Ant is more comfortable right now attacking a spread floor five out than he is attacking a drop with Rudy kind of rolling with him. Again, Because I don't think he's ever done that before. Both should be able to work for Ant. I really, I really just attribute it to comfort at playing one sort of way. That is the system. The the system he's playing with Nas offensively is what Ant played the first two years of his career. I don't think he's ever played, like even prior to the NBA, with a player like Rudy that you want to attack the defense differently. Um, But it's that's on Ant. Like they need that. They need. Ant to also be able to weaponize Rudy and weaponize himself when he's out there when he's out there with Rudy. It's just it that has really, really not been there yet, in to my view. It, it hasn't. I think I think the most effective he was
2: was maybe the road game at Oklahoma City, or just like Rudy's gravity seemed to pull the defense mm-hmm. away in that game for in a way that yep. Ant was able to take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but but to your point, Ant is most comfortable, or it's you know we see him a lot when it's just like, all right, he's got his man in front of him, the basket's there, everybody's out. To your point, a spread attack, take that guy off the dribble, and then go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, not having another body in the lane clogging things up tends to be his preferred method of operation. Yeah.
1: And it's it's, it's, it's understandable. This, this, you're it right. Can't it can like right. Yeah, it just can't. It, it, like
2: it should. It should work. It should work. Like mm-hmm. on paper, you you think, oh, Rudy Gobert, Anthony. like that should be a thing that happens, but it takes time. Um, yeah. Especially like like you say, if Ant hasn't played in this kind of system or with this kind of player before, you know, like you said with Nas, he slips and then he's out of there, and right. it just helps if Ant doesn't hit him. Now Ant's got that driving lane that that he can take advantage of. But with Rudy, Rudy's not gonna necessarily Rudy's not vacating the lane. Right. Or he's not <laughs> vacating he can, So he can't go, he can't loop back around and wait for the ball to come to him on the wing for a three. Um so it's it is different. it's I, just I, a different
1: I style I think of play. I think that is when we talk about this take, you know, when the, the scout you talked to talking about It taking half the season, like that. If Ant and Rudy specifically can find that chemistry earlier, that will move up that timeline, I think, significantly. You know, that, that, how quickly can those two start playing off of each other effectively? I think we just way oversimplified this before the season, talking about, okay, it's going to be Dilo and Rudy. They're going to be out there together a bunch, running pick and roll. And then with Cat and Ant, then it's going to be Cat and Ant when they're doing their other, like, when those guys aren't out there, well, that's not how rotations work. These things are commingled yeah. in, and the starters are playing together a ton too. Like, it's not going to work if Ant only has success playing with Nas or only has success playing with Cat. It also has to happen, you know, with with Rudy as well on the offensive end, particularly so long as Rudy becomes a real emphasis point of this offense, which it, that doesn't really seem like something they're going away from at all. Like, quite frankly, Rudy's looked fairly awkward in those post up situations pretty consistently throughout these these seven games, yeah. and they're not going away from it, and I don't think they will. And that makes some sense to me because it's like, okay, yes, eventually, when you're playing better teams, when you get to the playoffs, like, Rudy is going to be able, to, is going to need to be that offensive impactor um, around the basket, even when he's not screening, but it's just, it is, it is not, it is not there right now. Um, give me, yeah. give me your, we, we kind of talked about this, this Phoenix game, but give me your guess of, of what happens on Tuesday night against Phoenix, the best team that they've, they have played yet this season. Yeah. Well, no Aiton,
2: right? Aiton's out, Aiton, I believe. With yeah, the Aiton will be eight. out.
1: I, I watched a little bit of their game last night before I, I went to bed just because I was like, wait, who's playing for Phoenix? So Biombo is, is playing, uh, at center for them. And then like Jock Landale, uh, that Australian dude is, is playing too. So it, it is one of those games where the wolves should be able to punish the interior, right? There's Aiton right. is not there. And that, you know, that can be just Kat and Rudy individually doing it with size, but it, I think it should be one of those opponents where they're able to really attack, um, you know, attack those bigs like Biombo and Landale are just not starting level centers in in the league right now. But yeah. they got a lot of the other problems to deal with Chris Paul and Devin Booker and and you know and Cam Johnson. I was just going to. I, was gonna, I, was not say, I
2: I'm, envi- I'm envisioning the other side of the ball. Yeah, and I, I'm like, oh boy, this could be this could be a problem. Uh, um, I, I it could be a shootout, you know, potentially mm-hmm. if they're if they are able to take advantage offensively inside. Um, I I totally expect the Suns to pick them apart, expose them on the pick yeah. them apart. Absolutely, that's that's uh, I almost shudder at the thought about
1: about what they might do <laughs> right. to them tomorrow night. But um, I th- but I think you're right. Then you got to like match yeah. that offensively. So if they are it. going to yeah, win that game it is i think it is going to be about like being able to score at a, at a really high clip and i think i think that's something ant should be able to do i also think like i would get and you know delo's had mixed results thus far but i think this could be a real game where you know delo is able to dictate a lot they're going to drop biombo back all the way to the rim and it could be like it will be one of those games that the defense presents the opportunity for delo to take like eight of those short mid-range shots that, you know, he can hit, right? Like, and if he's able to, yeah. in that first quarter, like I think Wolves fans should feel a lot better if is coming in and hitting clean looks or finding clean lobs to Rudy in the first quarter, because that to me will signal, all right, offensively we know how to puncture this team in, in a half court, in like in a slow down half court sort of uh, concept. But I'm with you. I, I think they're going to have to because defensively, I, as was the case last year when they played Phoenix, they picked them apart too. It goes back to everything we were talking about defensively with this team control. Like, are they going to be able to control both Booker and Chris Paul on the perimeter simultaneously? I highly doubt it. I think you're totally right in saying this could be, this could be a real shootout.
2: It it could be Phoenix is going to, is coming in with the, uh, second highest rated offense in the league oh, in terms of efficient offensive rating rating uh 118.5 per game or per 100 possessions Yikes. um I'm, I'm looking at some of the numbers now uh Aiden, uh defensive rating with him on the floor this year uh 107.1 mm. defensive rating with DeAndre Aiden off the floor 103.2 oh so slightly better um, and, you know, smaller sample size, obviously, when he's off the floor. But
1: yeah, I mean, Biombo can block yeah, shots yeah. at the rim. Like it, yeah, it is going yeah. to be one of those where, like, Ant two, like you are going to kind of need to play the mid range game, right? Like Biombo is going to be one of those big, thick guys at the rim that Ant's just not going to be able to do his like plow through thing. They're going to drop him yeah. back really deep, and and I would like to see, like, with Dilo, I'm more cool if Dilo comes into like 14 feet and pulls that up. When it's Ant and you see like Biambo there, like taking away the rim, then that's when you want to see Ant kind of have those live dribble passes where he's finding Jaden in the corner, Carl in the corner, you know, kind of playing off of that. But point being is they know what they're going to face defensively against this Phoenix team. And I think they know how to beat that, but can they execute it? That's kind of been the, the question. And the answer to that has been like, yeah, maybe one or two of the quarters of the game, they're able to execute the game plan and take advantage of it but to beat phoenix you're probably going to need to play four quarters against them or at least or at least three because Correct. that's still a very professional professional outlet. So I don't know Chris, we will uh we will see. It is going to be a much uh more difficult week or higher level of competition with Phoenix on Tuesday and then um and then Milwaukee on Friday, but this is when we start to really learn, right? We start to really learn yes. about where this Wolves team uh stacks up against the higher caliber Teams of the league and i'm i'm interested to see it we'll both uh we'll both be tracking it um we'll see what happens on tuesday against phoenix are they able to play up to the competition and then like you said i think friday you'll get a very engaged wolves group at home against the bucks like can they deliver in those situations we will we'll learn that this week uh chris i appreciate you coming on and doing this pod as always you can read all of chris's stuff com. follow him on twitter tweeting out those articles at chris for thanks for doing it chris
2: thanks Dane. appreciate it
1: all right until next time he's chris i'm dane i will talk to you on wednesday morning until then
3: Peace out.
1: Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus with a US-based restoration specialist on your team,